Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Anything But Typical podcast. And in true to form, uh, shape, and fashion, we've got a fashionista and just a wonderful human being, Hillary Porta. Can't wait for you to hear more of her story. And we go back to 1997, if I am correct, when we were both at a place called Nations Bank at the time before it became Bank of America. So uh, I can't wait for you to hear more of her story and and where her journey has taken her in the last 23 years um, since we first got to know each other. Um, And so Hillary, here's the way I love to start this uh, podcast. And that is, I love to ask and find out more of like what makes you tick more than the accolades. The accolades are amazing and expansive for you Here's the scenario, okay? So you are in New York City at Media Week, and you have walked by the bar or some, uh, you know, little enclave of people talking, and you overhear them talking about you. What is it that you would love to have them say about you? Okay, so we had talked about this the other day and it actually did happen, right? So, you know, um, so I'm going to answer you in the way that I heard the things that they said. And, you know, it was one of those kind of awkward situations because when you hear your name, right, you're naturally, (laughs) you kind of want to lean and continue to lean into it and want to hear everything that they're saying and yet still try to be present with the conversation. It's really difficult. I'm just being honest. But um, so the things that I heard were, and, and they they were unexpected, right? You know, it's it's one of those things. And the thing that really stood out to me the most is they were, they were like, oh my God, she is such a bullshit slayer. She will tell it like it is. And then they were saying that, you know, that, that they had never met anybody that really owned themselves as much as I do. And so for me, that was like, wow. You know, I almost wanted to go over and run up to them and give them, you know, massive hugs and just, you know, and, and just, just really say thank you for that, right? But um, your real question was like, what would I really like for, you know, to be known as, right? And I think the truth would be is, I want people to know that I am vulnerable and that I'm courageous, right? Um, that I, I'm an expander. I want everybody's life that I touch to be expanded so I could equip them and, and free them right, of the things that really hold them back and shatter the limits. So I guess if anything, um, the biggest thing I want people to know is that I'm heart centered and that I really want to be a champion for them. So that's really it. Yeah. I love that. That's perfect. <laughs> that's great. It's a good way to start it off. So let's, let's jump into a little bit of, of your bio and then we can go right into the, uh, the actual questions. So, Hillary is known globally as a leading human behavior hacker and business strategist. She's a dynamic speaker. She contributes uh, her writing to over 15 publications. Hillary helps everyday people uh, all the way up to celebrities and elite performers shatter their deepest limits using brain-based strategies, which I know we're going to dive a lot into what brain-based strategies really is and the, the differentiators of it. And, and she ar- helps them architect their best lives to create generational impact. And one of the the really neat things that I want to start us off with is Hillary left behind a successful career as a corporate strategist. So, so there's a big pivot there that happened in your life that, that I want us to be able to dive into. Um, But before I do, let me finish the coaching portion of of Hillary. So she has spent what the last decade diving into neuropsychology, neuroscience, neurolinguistics, programming, cognitive behaviors, a lot of, a lot of things that you don't normally hear with with coaches, right? You hear that type of stuff more of the, the psychologist type side than a coaching side. So Hillary, I really appreciate you, you coming on. I know this is going to be a unique conversation that's going to add a ton of value to everybody listening. So I am so honored and it sounds like I'm a gigantic nerd. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, you know? it's a different approach, which, which is going to be amazing to talk about. So let's start before we get into the actual coaching, let's discuss pivoting why leave a successful corporate strategist career wow okay so in my case uh in in, in full transparency because i'm all of what i do anyway um i went through this divorce right and so i had an opportunity to go you know to 
continue to stay in consulting and, you know, and corporate strategy, or, you know, still continue to try to, to normalize my children and, you know, have that opportunity to be present with them and really help them through that stage. And so that's what I chose. And so I chose at that point to go out in a leap of faith and start my own practice. So that's really why I did the, the, the switch. I mean, you know, my brain and, and you all both know that once you do something over and over again, man, I mean, it's, it's like, it's innate, it becomes embedded into you. So I can do strategy in my sleep, man. <laughs> you want a strategy? I got you one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And doing consulting all those times, you know, you're thrown into just various environments. So it comes natural. So I just actually did a pivot because I really wanted to be present more in my life and not have to, I mean, it comes, you guys know, it comes with a, it, it comes with a massive price tag, right? I mean, you know, the, the 40 hours turn into 80. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't want to do that. I mean, the money is really nice. <laughs> Some sexy money, as I call it, but you know, money's not everything. It's just not. And so being present and being there and to create more of a nutritive environment for my kids so I could be there for them at school or I could be there, you know, what, wherever they needed me to be, I could be it. And so I could really dictate my own schedule. Yeah. So. Well, that makes sense. So yeah. you, you had that, um, almost event in your life, right? That, well, that's that, a lot of things, man. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that helped you spur in that direction, but where did the passion for things like the neuropsychology come from? Because that's, like I said, a unique oh, yeah. twist on, on what you actually at the core do. Well, exactly. Right. And so what I noticed when I started my own private practice is that because I'm a strategist naturally, I could help people get to six, seven figure businesses, like no problem because you know, Hey, I know how to do it. Right. But one of the things I noticed was that they became hyper-focused, right. On getting that. And then their marriages would take a hit. Their parenthood would just mm, not be, you know, not the kind of ways that you want to show up. And I thought, oh, uh, no, hell no, we're not going to do this. So I had to wrap my arms around the behavioral standpoint of it too. And from an emotional intelligence standpoint, how do I create something that can, it's, it's like a hybrid really, like how can I marry strategy, you know, professionally and get them where they want to go, but also personally. And so that's what I started doing because, you know, I, I had actually, you know, Gary and I, we laugh about it, you know, Bank of America and all of our old haunts and stuff like that. You know, they, they would ask me to, Hey, would you come and do a couple day leadership, you know, really seriously, like an immersion or something like that. And I said, Hey, here's the deal. Okay. You and I both know that when that happens, nobody really want to come <laughs> because you know, it, it the productivity is already, you're already putting too much on your people and having all this unrealistic expectations. And then to take them away from that, put them in a room for two days of somewhere that they don't want to be, right? Give them all these really wonderful new tools and techniques and, and motivate them and excite them and make them hungry to, to enjoy, right? And then throw them back in the same environment. I said, I'm not doing it. You know, I just can't feel good about it because it causes so much cognitive dissonance. And then they, you, you send them back in and then they're more discouraged, right? Because they can't really implement it because the environment doesn't necessitate, necessitate it. So what I do is that's when I really got into the coaching for it. So, you know, helping the C-suites. I mean, I have, I get to play in a lot of different ecosystems, right? I get to play in ecosystems where, gosh, professional athletes, um, celebrities, I get to C-suite, you name it, housewives, <laughs> you know, anybody that's really stuck and really wants to grow. Um, but at the same time, I just really, I didn't feel good about just making someone rich. You know, I, I really have this, this true feeling that we're, we were here, you know, to have abundance and abundance looks different to everybody. But if I can help them, you know, not only be financially secure, right? But at the same time, hone and, and deepen their love for one another, right? Become a parent that doesn't create a learned helplessness or just uses the, the parent for a checkbook, right? Really relationships and, and develop that. 
And so there's no reason that you can't do it simultaneously. So I've created kind of a methodology to do just that. So that's why, that's why I just didn't want to, I didn't want to see it anymore. I didn't want to be a part of creating chaos. You know, I just, just didn't want to do it. So I'm going to give a, a, a bit of a plug because even though we were both in at Nations Bank and Bank of America, when you actually were the trainer on total quality management, when I went through it and yeah, we had tons on our plates and that sort of thing. But man, I got to tell you, I loved it. And I, I learned things from that. Yeah, I had to go back to other things, but you did make a difference there. So I just want to say, hey, all for naught. Uh, it was actually really good. And, and I still remember a lot of that stuff from, you know, 23 years ago. <laughs> but, uh, that, thank you for that, really. I mean, that you know, I enjoyed what I did. You know, I was part of that one specific group that we were taken out and trained Um by David Tatham in Canada and on special process re-engineering and, and how to, you know, literally how to deconstruct so you can reconstruct and, you know, save process and cycle times. And so it was really exciting and, you know, it really touched in my re-engineering kind of phase. And so I'm glad to know that you enjoyed that though. Thank you. Yeah, it, it was really good, but you know, you, you said something earlier that I want to go back to because there, one of the things that, all three of us have in common is our love for running businesses, helping business owners grow and thrive. And what seemed to be probably very touchy feely 23 years ago in corporate America, where uh, yeah. <laughs> necessarily embraced that, there seems to be a more of a, a, an awakening to the fact that, hey, Success isn't just because you've got three Lamborghinis or whatever, who cares? Success, if, if that's the definition of a success, but your, your personal life goes to hell in a handbasket or your people at, at work hate you or they're leaving in droves or whatever, you know, there's some out of balance in that whole equation. And so one of the things that I really want to dive into a little bit deeper in this thing, and I hope we'll, we'll go there, and I think with some of the questions that Ben's outlined, we will, but for business owners out there listening to this, I want them to be able to hear how some of this can apply to you personally, families, to your leadership team, and to your people, because as you go, so does the rest of the team. And as your team and your company go, oftentimes so do their families and so do our communities. And I think that's why all three of us are very, very passionate about that. So um, it does have a ripple effect. I mean, it really does have this whole really bigger ripple effect than most people even. I mean, that's why, you know, one of my titles is a generational shifter, right? Because I want, I want to stop, you know, the negative generational stuff. You know, it doesn't have to be just because my mom did it this way or my dad did it this way, or this is how we've always done it, you know? So yeah, it's yeah. really important. It's really, so, really important. So then how, how do you do that? How do you make that a positive ripple effect, right? With the people that you're working with, because it could be very easy to get caught up in being results oriented, right? How do I get this business to seven figures or eight figures or how do I have an exit or, or all those types of things you quite often hear in, in your, in your world, right? In your industry, how do you make the people you work with their results ending up being a positive ripple effect? Oh man. Okay. So, um, can I give you a quick story? And I think it'll, yeah. okay. Story, stories are good. We, we're okay with this. <laughs> okay, good. And you can, you know, if we don't have to, you can go, quit it, go ahead, but I'll just make it quick. So <laughs> one, one of my uh, clients uh, who ended up being one of my favorite clients because I just love him so much, he called me, he was big, um, he was the president CFO of a really large firm in New York. And so he calls me and he's like, I heard you're the fix it girl. And, you know, and he wanted to, to send me, a, you know, come up there to see what I can do. And um, he wanted to send his plane for me the next day. And so it was really telling for me. He wanted me to drop everything and, you know, my whole world, my whole schedule, my whole everything. And so that told me a lot. And I just said, no, 
<laughs> no, I'm not going to do it. And so, but I went up, you know, obviously a couple of weeks later and, um, you know, I, I was, got to be a fly on the wall. I, I got to consult with him and really take a look, you know, at his organization and, and the way his leadership style was and, and who he had uh, as his kind of in his tribe, right? I mean, you've got to have your tribe. And in doing so, at the end of it, you know, he was, he was really, he was like, well, how did it go? How did you think, you know, and all this kind of stuff like this. And I said, well, you know, you told me that you, you, you pitched something to me. And I said, but when I got up here, there was a lot of posing going on, right? I'm just going to be very honest. Again, this is why my nickname's the bullshit slayer. I'm just going to cut it and tell it like it is because I figure if you're paying me, you're paying me for something. So I'm just going to be honest with you. So I said, you got the wrong people in the wrong seats. They don't, they don't respect you. They're not going to challenge you because you're paying them well. And they love that. They love to get on their helicopters and go, you know, to the Hamptons over the weekend. I mean, really? Like they're going to challenge you on anything, but you're making decisions that, that, you're, you're brilliant. I mean, he was this brilliant man. I mean, just a visionary and he had this, but he, he was unable to really communicate it. And so there was, the respect was not there. The people were, it was a mess. Okay. Let's just be honest. It was a mess. So in coming in and changing culture, right? Cause that's really what we were doing. We were changing culture and he was so open to it because he loved his company, loved his people. He wanted to, he wanted everyone to really, love it as much as he did right and to follow his vision and so you know here's the, the truth is we don't know what we don't know what we don't know and if no one is brave enough and courageous enough to be vulnerable enough to say hey man you know i don't know if you you know if they're showing up like this right i mean that's a really big big thing to do that's that's courage and action right there and so nobody ever did that so he continued these behaviors right that really weren't conducive to, you know, what he wanted to achieve. So, enter me. <laughs> so we fixed the corporation and didn't do so, you know, when you work with someone so intimately, um, you know, you, you understand what's going on in their lives. And so his marriage was hanging on by a thread, literally. I mean, this is just very common because, you know, they're, they're workaholics, right? You know, they got this vision, they couldn't wait to do it. His kids were literally using him for a checkbook. They didn't care. I mean, as long as they got to do all the things they wanted to do, right? Um, he was so, he was there, but he wasn't there. Does that make sense? Yep. You know, and that just happens. And so we did a lot of work around, you know, gosh, emotional intelligence and, and what it looks like to show up. And here's how you have to posture yourself. And, and so like I said, we, we fixed the, we fixed the corporation and we fixed his marriage. I remember getting, um, this ginormous, okay. Bouquet of flowers. Actually, you know, like when you walk into like, I don't know, the country club or somewhere and there's this, you know, the beautiful round table and there's this, you can't even put your arms around it. Right. This, this bouquet of flowers. I got one of those and I was like, Oh, how am I going to put this thing? <laughs> and then I got a card and she said, if you ever leave, our family, I'm going to kill you. So I'm thinking, New York mob, holy hell, what's going on? Do they have my connections? Am I going to die? <laughs> so I had never had conversation personally with her. But one of the things that I, I did, I, I called him, I said, hey, man, your wife sent me flowers. I am so overwhelmed. May I call her, right? And so woman to woman, I got on the phone with her and I sat in the floor and cried for an hour with this woman. And she, she said, she goes, I couldn't stand him. I literally couldn't stand him and to the point where he would walk in. I think, is he still breathing? <laughs> you know? I mean, and so many marriages are like that unless you do the work and you get intentional about how you're going to show up. And if you know the love languages and if you know all these things, but they were just like existing. Right. And so there was no intimacy in knowing any of that. So she, she confessed to me, she said, he came in one night. And I knew this because, you know, I told him to do it and then told him how to do it. But she didn't know that, right? So I just let her tell her story. And so she came in and she said, and she was just boo-hoo, and I'm talking, you know, ugly boo-hoo. And she said, he came in one night and he said, you know, tribal council, we have to talk and go get kids, get him in there. And she said, I thought he was either going, you know, off himself, man, right there, like, you know, do it or kill us or something because, you know, things were just... <laughs> They weren't, that's how bad it was. Okay. And so she said, he actually humbled himself and it was hard to hear because she was like, <laughs> through the whole thing. And she said, he apologized 
he said how much he loved us, but he didn't know how to show love. And that he, because of that, he recognized that as a leader of his family, that he had failed miserably, that he was willing to do whatever it took to show them how important they were. And that starting right there, right now today, that he made them a pledge. And so he started going to his kids' games. He started getting involved. His wife, she, she, goes, she goes, honestly, that night, I thought he might like roll over and stab me or something. I didn't know, you know, <laughs> as he lost his never loving mind. But really, this is what I do in a nutshell. I mean, I still fly up there. They still, they, they fly me up there literally for their kids' birthday parties, right? Because their kids are engaged and they got a daddy, right? And she got a husband back. And so it's about reinventing and, you know, really getting in alignment. Maybe that's the right words. Just getting in alignment with what you want, not just professionally, but also personally. So that's really. So I got a quick question, maybe an observation, but I'd love to have you validate this. And and, um, oftentimes leaders, people respond to pain. They they actually will make massive changes, not because, Mm -hmm. oh, that looks good or whatever. That's preference, but the the pain is high enough that hey, you know, I'm going to set my jet down tomorrow <laughs> to pick you up or whatever. It's yeah. to me like, uh, and you tell me if this is what happened, but it sounds to me like the pain that he probably said was, I need some help in my company, but the pain was really deeper and more personal with him and his family. Is you know, can you talk about how he cloaked the pain and what the pain really was? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you both know, and you, you know, you probably had conversations, you know, with colleagues and, you know, people that you mentor as well. But, you know, cloaking the pain, you know, they mask it really well, um, but they anesthetize. They either drink too much, have sex elsewhere, you know what I mean? Um, you know, because it's just a way to turn it off. I mean, it's coping, you know, it's either that or pornography or, you know, golfing or, you know, anything to the extreme, right. Rather than dealing with the real situation. So, yeah. Was, did he, did he cloak the pain as I've got a business situation and then you start peeling oh, the back? Is that why? Yeah. Well, a, a lot of the times they do. They're like, you know, hey, I heard you're, you know, this top success coach, excuse me, success coach. And I heard you can like make me a millionaire. I'm like, yeah, but that, what else do you want? <laughs> Money is just a renewable, you know, I mean, it's energy. It's just energy. And you can make it as much as you want it or you can, you know, whatever. But it's, it's whatever. But it goes more to what do you really want? Right. Those are the questions that most people don't ask themselves because what happens, and, and I know that you all can totally understand this easily, we fall into, right? We fall into school. We fall into love. Oh my gosh. We fall into jobs. We fall into kids. We fall into, and sometimes we fall out of love. <laughs> we fall out of marriage and we fall out of these things, but we're falling. And so no one that I've, encountered yet you know in my 53 years has been so intentional and the majority of people are divorced before they're married right and this is this just a fact and so what happens is if you can you know go back and connect the dots and go what do i really want who the hell am i right so we think we know who we are until we're really asked you know i mean i was sitting in this advisory meeting they brought me in as a special speaker and you know I sat around this this boardroom and there was 13 you know seven figure almost eight figure you know men and I just said hey man I said let's get real what's your value proposition not only what's your value and they're like what you know multiple business owners all this kind of stuff like that I said okay so let's just go back a little bit what are your strengths man and not one of them that went around the table could tell me their top three strengths. Now they could tell me a ton of weaknesses 
And I said, hold on, it's not really weakness. It's just information so that we could understand how to mitigate so you won't have to go sideways. But what are your strengths? What are your passions? What keeps you, you know, alive? What creates energy for you and it makes you feel just wonderful? And they just stared at me. <laughs> they wanted me to go home at that point, you know. But it's really true. I think that we, because we fall into things rather than completely, that's why instead of a coach, I'm more of an architect because I really want to architect, you know, intentionally what you want in every arena of your life so that we can make it happen. Because how many times have you said, well, these are the things I want and maybe next year I'll get this and five years from now I'm going to have that. Most of the time it doesn't materialize. Mm -hmm. Life gets in the way. And unless you're really intentional, unless you architect it in, it's not going to happen. So that's where I come in. Another follow-on question then. I know Ben's got a litany of things that he wants to hit too, but um, for, for somebody that doesn't want wait until the pain is so high or the, the, the walls are crashing down upon them either personally or professionally, um, but they wanted to be a little more proactive, what would, what would your advice be before all of a sudden crisis hits, we got to call Hillary? Oh, man. Okay, so that's, that's when you step up and be really brave and courageous, and you learn yourself, right? You know, you really do. You learn yourself. Um, and that's not something that comes easy for people. And I, most of the time people won't do it unless they're forced to do it. I mean, you know, they think they know a few things like, Oh, what's your favorite color? No. How do you feel about this? What do you, you know, I mean, knowing your favorite, your wife's favorite color or what the color of her eyes are or whatever. And a couple preferences is not intimacy, you know? And knowing, you know, who you're, you know, all the time with, with, you know, my corporate clients, I see, you know, they're, they're always asking me, how do I really address the situation? Right. Because I'm pissed off and I'm like, man, pissed off is not a strategy. Let's just, let's pull it back. Right. Let's figure this out. What is it really? It's what it's a, it's triggering you with something. Okay. So let's figure out what it's triggering you with. And not only that, why are you allowing this to continue? I mean, insofar as, you know, having vulnerable and courageous conversations, you know, in corporate, it's just, it's just now starting, you know what I mean? It just really is. And, you know, it's still kind of like, what's going on? But I mean, that's the thing that you have to do is you have to be willing to invest in your person that you're working with or your colleague or your peer and say, if you're sitting in a meeting, for example, and Joe ends up making a dumbass remark, right? And you know, it's, it, you know, people are going like this and you know, his ass is probably going to be on the line pretty soon if he continues on, you know, behaving this way. But you have personal knowledge that Joe's going through a really hard time at home. Maybe his kid is sick or maybe his, you know, his, his wife and him are not getting along. So most of the time people are just too scared to have these conversations because, you know, they're like, oh, you know, but I'm always the first one to say, Hey, let's go grab coffee. Right. And say, I'm noticing some things are going on. What's going, you know, how can I best support you? Right. So those are the things that we need to change because if not, people are going to continue to wait until they're bleeding bad, you know, and, their marriages are going to, I mean, there are more divorces, more broken homes, more kids that are, you know, it's, it, the ripple effect is really big. So, so and I'm sorry, I could talk about this stuff forever. <laughs> no, it's perfect. You had, uh, you had said how, how difficult, but also how necessary learning yourself is, right? Because that, if that doesn't get addressed, then it leads on to the additional crises that you just talked about. So if, if it is such a difficult thing, but it's so necessary, how do you get people to actually commit to learning themselves? What are some of those steps that, uh, that these leaders that are listening um, can, can begin that process at, after listening to this episode? Right. Okay. So, um, you know, I'm really selective on who I take on as clients first off, because I want to only do 
work with the ones that will do the work. And I, you know, I put them through this application process usually, and I can tell if they're willing to do the work. Um, and so the first place to really start to learn yourself, right, is to gain that deep, deep, deep clarity is to ask yourself a set of questions, you know, what ways do I want to show up? What do I kind of want to be known for? How are my interactions, right? What does success look like for me? And, and these exercises, while those, those sentences just rolled off my mouth, right? They're big. Like, so I give some homework sometimes and um, some of my clients are like, that's just, what? You know, I'm not doing them like, yeah, you are. You know? <laughs> so, yes, you are. And then secondly, they get into it and then they'll text me like, you know, at four in the morning and they'll say, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I love you too. And this is combat pay, right? I'm being called a brutal bitch. I'm being called all these things. Yeah, then I get flowers because then they're like, they realize how important these questions are. They're like, I struggled so hard with this tiny little sentence. And I'm like, yeah, because digging deep and unearthing and pulling back that, that curtain, right? We all have these identities that we've collected along the way, right? You know, SPB at the bank, uh, consultant here, you know, practice owner here, wife, mother. Who the hell are you really? What do you want to be? Like, you know, if you could close your eyes, what's the first movie that you see, right, for you? You know, if you didn't have to, have to, and if you got to, what would that look like? Right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, Building on that a little bit, um, one of the things and on your website, all of these things are addressed of helping people with achievement, purpose, appreciation, fulfillment, things like that. But there seems to be, they seem to be conflicting ideas at some point, right? You have the, the one idea of achievement of how much can I go on and achieve? And then you have the idea of, of being able to stay present in your life. So how do you help people balance that playing big while staying uh, present? That is the best question ever. Okay, I just wanted to commend you. <laughs> Seriously, that's like a really, really good question. Um, it is. It's a really important one too. And so most of the time, you know, people, they're so, they're, they're in their habits, right? We're habitual beings, right? We create habits and we don't even realize that we do, right? So we get so entrenched in that, that we, we are not open, right, to doing something different because we're familiar. It's, it's safe, it's familiar, we might not like it, we might call it all kinds of names, but it's still safe. So, you know, getting out of that and, and, and really taking a look at, it's totally different. So, you know. Yeah, it's, it's gotta be a, uh one of the sticking points I'm sure that, that you have in a lot of the conversations with your clients is, is how to, how to balance yeah. those two. Okay. So here's the difference. All right. So one of my clients said, Oh, you don't understand, you know, the furrowed brow and all that stuff <laughs> he's working in. But, and I, I'm like, no, I can save you at least three hours a day. You know, I'm an optimization specialist, man. I can go in and do that. And he's like, oh, believe it. you don't know my world. You don't know that. I said, okay, I'm going to shout at you. I'm playing with you today. You know, I'm playing with you for the next few days. And I'll go in and I'm like, okay, so what most people don't realize is there's so much transition time. You know, you transition into so many things and you can't stay in flow with enough times unless you've time blocked, right? So there's different strategies and frameworks that I give people that they can really do more with, you know, I call it subtracting to add. Okay. I know this yeah. is really strange, right? It kind of goes along with Tim Ferriss's stuff, right? And that's so important. So when we want them to have a better balance, right? If we want them to show up as a husband, if we want them to be a daddy, a good daddy, right? Or, um, you know, or if we want him to be able to do the things that create energy for him too. And then he's like, I'll never get to play golf if I do this about, I'll never, you know, I'm like, no, slow your roll, man. First off, okay. <laughs> You're getting overwhelmed again. So no, what you do is you architect it really well, right? You're not going to go out and play golf every day, right? If you want to run a very successful company, right. you can, you know, if you've got the right people in the right seats, 
right? And you've set them up to where you're just there lifting and supporting them because they're in their zone of genius and they're doing it. <laughs> then hell yeah, you can do it. You can play every day. I don't care, right? But if you're telling me that your relationship with your wife is important and your, your kids are important, but you're having no time for any of it, then let's really take a look at where your time is going. So then we look at their time and where they're spending it and how they're doing it and how they could possibly delegate something, right? Or, you know, how they could do something else. And then we take a look at what are the things that would create intimacy for you and your wife. So then we create specific kind of date nights, right? And specific things that talk to um, their love languages, right? And so we drop them on the calendar because, you know, I was taught forever ago, you know, plan your work, work your plan, man, right? So it doesn't take up so much headspace. So you don't have to just constantly firefight and, you know, drink it out of a hose. So I hope I'm making sense with this. Yeah, yeah, you are. Oh. You are. Okay. Gary, you're, you're looking at me. I know. You're I, like, I saw him ready to jump in. So. Yeah. I know. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I'll sit back. I'll sit back for a second. Let Gary. Yeah, just, no. just, no. just, 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 Just a moment. No, it, no, this is really good. You are resonating. And what I, it's just a, a statement. You said, I want to help architect. That, that, that's a very meaty term and very intentional term. And I've, I've heard people say, it's not about time management. It's about priority management. And architecting is prioritizing. You want to expand on that a little bit before, Ben, you, you take the reins again? Okay. You scared me for a minute. I'm just telling you. <laughs> so, I mean, you got an elephant on her face. I thought, oh, Ben, we're dead. <laughs> you better jump in and protect me. Um, okay. So, so, yeah, I mean, when you, when you go through my methodology and it, it really helps you to define all the things in each category and arena that's really important to you from the micro excuse me from the macro level down to the micro level i mean like we drill down right this is like a massive project plan this is your freaking life right so i had one of my clients that one of their dreams was to take you know a, a trip back to africa and you know, do that. And then they also wanted to go to Switzerland. They wanted to go visit New, New Zealand. I said, okay, well, I win. I mean, you know, I win. What do you want to do? What would be the most wonderful things that you could combine in this category, in this category to create fun and intimacy and anticipation, right? So when I architect, I mean, I'm all over the board, right? So I am looking at everything that they want and I'm saying, okay, so if you want to go to Africa, then, and you want to go in six months, say, all right, then we look at, you know, I even have a column for financial. I mean, they let me get out in their business seriously. And, but I have confidentiality, so we're good. <laughs> so, but anyway, so I will look at, you know, their trip to Africa in six months and I'll say, okay, so what would be really fun would be that we, every week, right, we have like Africa night. And each one of the kids takes a turn doing some research, right? It's good for the kid, right? It helps them, you know, create good brainwaves. And it also creates this excitement, anticipation, and it's not, we're dragging y'all to Africa, right? We're just going to take a family vacay. And the kids are like, yeah, I'm good. I've got my phone. I've got my, you know, my baits on. We're good. I don't really care. So now you're, you're investing in, and they're investing in, right? And it's creating more of this family dynamic, of, you know, and so we're having different foods that we're eating and we're talking about different regions like every week up until it, right? And so, and you know, like each child, depending on their age, of course, you know, can research and talk about the different areas and the things that, you know, so they're bringing it to the table because most people don't do this with their kids, right? They don't, they don't engage with them. It's a, it's a very transactional relationship. Like, don't forget your soccer stuff. Did you get your homework done? Did you do this? Rather than, hey man, how's your heart? How's it going? You know, how are the things going at school? Who's showing up in the way that's just, you know, what's in, you know, that kind of thing. So that creates a really good thing, right? Because one of his goals, right, was not only to go to Africa, 
but it was to really create more of an, an, an intimacy and a deepening of family, right? So, you know, you combine these things and it's just, it's wonderful, right? Did that answer that question? Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you stated intention. What's the outcome that we want to do? And then you build according to that versus how much time do I have? Exactly. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes we, you know, we have these, these limiting beliefs, right? And that comes up a lot um, with the work I do. And so, you know, I'm really excited that I'm, when I do brain-based, right? That's what I talk about. I really got into, like I said, neuropsychology and neuroscience and advanced psyche and metaphysical anatomy and stuff like that. So whenever something does come up, we can actually go in and recode immediately into your subconscious. And so it, it just helps, you know? And then you can live your beautiful life that we've architected and designed <laughs> without limits. <laughs> um, let's take a minute to build off of that a little bit. Cause you mentioned all okay. the things like advanced psych and stuff like, uh, things like that. So how do you actually go and, and rewire the brain to help clients break through? All right. So let's get a little bit more tactical. I know we've talked pretty macro of, ba of uh, high end ideas right. and, and gotten into a couple stories. So let's, let's drill down on this topic a little bit and how you actually rewire that brain for your clients. Okay, so Ben, if I tell you the secret sauce, I'm gonna have to kill you. <laughs> Don't worry, nobody's <laughs> listening to this, Hillary. It's yeah, okay. I know, right? Just no, I know he's gonna be following. Are you kidding me? No way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, so I, it took me years. I'm not gonna lie, it took yeah. me years of study. I mean, years of studying certifications and all this kind of stuff like this. So um, it took me a while to nerd out. But um, recoding and rewiring, it's just a modality that I use with like, hey, um, and it literally, okay, so 95% of our subconscious, I mean, 95% of everything, percent of everything we do is subconscious, right? I mean, you get in your car, you're on your phone, but yet you're going home, right? You're not going in 300 feet, I'm going to turn left. And you, know, and you don't consciously think about everything, right? Okay, so we're only using about 5% of our conscious brain. So everything else is 95% in our subconscious, and it's data. It's data-driven, man. It's like this big supercomputer. Honestly, it doesn't have emotions. It really doesn't give a... I did so good then. Okay, so it doesn't. And so it doesn't have, you know, all these emotions associated with it. It's just literally everything you're telling it, you know? And so that's what happens. And so what you do is you... It's, it's kind of ancient mind-body wisdom and, you know, a bunch of protocols that we go through and we access and activate both hemispheres of your brain and we you know we go find the thing that's weak okay and we go in there and recreate a different belief system in it so one of my clients kept every meeting he would say you know it's just because i have adhd you know it's my adhd you know it's my adhd i'm like oh my gosh do you love that <laughs> wow you keep telling yourself about it and he's just like got really defensive. He goes, my doctor said, I have it. You know, I'm diagnosed. I said, oh, you must like it. Okay. Right. And I said, do you want to get rid of it? He's like, oh, you know, this is really big on the weirdo meter. Right. <laughs> I mean, it is, let's be honest. I mean, we're all corporate. We know what I'm talking about. This is way woo. And, um, and so we went through a set of protocols and then 15 minutes later, he was like, I've never felt this way. I said, well, how do you feel? He said, well, my, my brain used to feel like it was like popcorn, you know, like in a microwave, just, you know, doing all this. And he's like, I'm like, calm. <laughs> he goes, is it going to go back? <laughs> and I was like, no, it's not. I said, you know, we just recoded that, that you can focus because you've told your brain over and over what you can do and what it's supposed to do. So then every time, so let me ask you a question. I said, every time that you've gotten into flow, what happens? And he says, he's like, well, then I start getting twitchy again and, and all that. And I said, yeah, I said, because your brain, you've trained your brain, you told your, your subconscious brain, you have this. So the minute you get into flow, it freaks out and says, danger, danger, Will Rogers, we've got to flip it back. Wow. So, yeah, it's powerful. Just it is. I mean, 
unbelievably, our brains are so amazing. I mean, you know, Queen Mary, you know, do you remember Bloody Mary right? in the 1800s, right? Okay. So she had this condition. It was a phantom pregnancy because she wanted to be pregnant so damn bad and she couldn't. So she created it because she wanted it in her brain. And she literally was physically out to here. No baby. So wow. that in true story, go look it up. And so, I mean, there's been times that I've gotten, it was really weird. So I was being interviewed for a podcast by a French journalist and his daughter was 14, almost 15 years old, recently in a wheelchair. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's terrifying, right? I mean, this is this young, beautiful daughter of yours and you spent tens of thousands of dollars to fix it and figure it out. And so we were having this and he said, can you fix her? And I'm like, we're in the middle of a podcast. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm glad you can edit this part. Um, and so he goes in literally out of desperation as I would too. Right. I mean, if I had a hope in hell of somebody helping me with something, I'm going to do it. Right. And so he picks her up and he pops her down right in front of me. And I'm like, Hey, <laughs> this is awkward, but you know, so we go ahead and we have conversation and then we have a session and she gets up and walks through that. And then they go skiing three days later in Vermont. I kid you not. And so it's the power of the brain is amazing. How do you think that, you know, people can do all the, the things that they can do? I mean, it's your mind, it's your mindset, right? Yeah, and so much of, of what our limitations are, are self-inflicted, right? Over the years. Totally. Oh my gosh, yeah, totally. I mean, so... You know, I deal with people so often that around scarcity, because you're the money man, you know, you're the money man, <laughs> you get all about money, right? And you, right. you advise people on this. I mean, this is, this is your wheelhouse, right? Yep. So I get a lot of people coming to me with the scarcity mentality. I mean, like, literally, they have like set up real estate, like bought a condo in scarce city, right? Because they're just, they're, I, you know, they, they've been programmed from when they were little, like, you know there's the haves and there's the have nots or, you know, Oh, we could never afford that. You know, and as a little child, they hear this. And so they only make it to a certain level and then they self-sabotage. Right. And they just can't break through that little thing. Enter me. <laughs> wow. So we flip it, you know? And so then they go on and, you know, become seven figure earners real easy. Yes. So it's, it's strange. It's amazing. You know, um, so I want to, pull out a little bit of that. I haven't gone through nearly what you've done, but when I went through this one week BB&T Leadership Institute, which is a deep, full immersion on all kinds of stuff of peeling back the onion, and it's really powerful. So anybody out there that has an extra 12 grand laying around, go through the BB&T Leadership Institute for a week. But one of the things, there were two things that really stood out for me. One is just the power of doing a daily gratitude journal, being very, very intentional. So we, we, we talked a little bit about that. So I want you to go expand on that a little bit, if you would. But the second thing was on self-limiting beliefs and like how to tease those things out, because that's part of what I think what you're talking about here is, you know, the rewiring, because there are these things that our little seven-year-old self happened to us up to seven, eight years old in particular that are just kind of back in the, in the, the operating system, if you will, that are telling us these things. And I yep. didn't realize those until we started peeling back the onion and I'm like, holy moly, I had no idea. So can you, can you talk a little bit more about intentional gratitude and also self-limiting self beliefs and how somebody can start identifying some of those? Absolutely. I mean, that's what I do, you know, with my clients. Um, so I, in, in with my methodology that I use um, and that I design, it, I have these super rituals and routines that I teach, right? And um, it's really important how you start your day. Like me personally, I mean, I give you a little bit of how I start my day and how I try to make my, my clients start their day is that 
my feet don't hit the ground until I've had my time in gratitude. Gratitude is so important. It will completely reprogram, repattern your brain because you can't be grateful for something and then be pissed or be afraid at the same time. Not at all. Right. You just can't. So there's that component of it, you know, and the more that you practice gratitude, the more you carry it throughout your day. And, you know, it, you don't play and you don't fall into either the victim mode or, you know, the, the overwhelm, you know, and, and, you know, everybody's against me and overwhelm and, you know, that little voice and things like that. So gratitude is, is key. Gratitude is, is the most important thing to me. Then actually I meditate, you know, meditation is just focused prayer, right? It really is, but it's so very important to learn how to practice. And I do a lot of breath work. Um, breath work is really, really so important because I don't know if y'all ever heard of Wim Hof. Have y'all yeah. heard of Wim? Yeah. I love Wim. Okay, so Wim's, Wim's my man, right? <laughs> He's my man. And, um, you know, I have been practicing his breath work for a really long time and I make my clients do too because it completely, it will, it will rewire right? Your body and it helps you be in control. Now, not in control in the bad way, because, you know, we've all seen those people that are control freaks, right? And the reason why that they're control freaks is because they really, really feel so out of control emotionally that they're going to try to latch on to anything that they control. And that includes you. So <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the good kind of control, the intentionality being deliberate, right? And so those are the things. So as you were immediately going into gratitude you're immediately after that i have an acupuncture mat that i lay on it's called a torture mat right it took me a long time to love it it did it, was, it did it took me like the longest time to love this sucker now i travel with it right i just i just roll it it's part of my suitcase it just goes and so i lay on it and i meditate right and i i've made this specific meditation that reinforces who i am right it's, it's the i am right and I know who I am and I know all the great things that I am and I know the great things I can do. And it's an inspiration and affirmation thing. But one of the things that people so mistake, they think if I do just that, that I want to get through all of the messy junk that I've hidden away, like way back. Right. And so there's so many people that come to me and they've, they've, gone through coaching programs after coaching programs and met gurus and spent a lot of money and done a lot of things. They're like, you're my last hope. And I'm like, Hey man, I'm really sorry that, you know, you've had that experience and they've read a ton of New York Times bestsellers and stuff like that. And they can't seem to, to flip the script, right? Because it's, you're playing with your conscious mind when you're trying to do those things. You have to, you have to actually go in and literally recode, rewire right? Because it changes even your biochemistry at the cell level. Literally, like I said, how did the girl get out of the wheelchair, right? How did my clients that had a, you know, that had ADHD do it? How, you know, all this stuff, literally. So you really have to be so intentional about how you set yourself up, right? And like I said, I have a whole bunch of protocols that I do and I teach, you know, when I coach my people. Um, on ways that they can create their mindset, right? So then they can go and really succeed and do the things that they really want to do without the limits. Y'all are looking at really you would weird. Mention that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, y'all are really scared me now. <laughs> no, so um, there, are, there are two paths on improvement. A lot of times it's either okay, I can go find out this information and do it myself, or I need somebody outside the jar to help me read my label, right? Yes. Um, and I've seen success in both of those in really well-disciplined leaders and their management teams be able to really do a pretty doggone good job of self-implementing. And then I've also seen people go to the gym when they're reopened again. You can see the same thing. You can see people that they are so self-motivated and they have studied up and, and they are just nailing it on their own. And then you have others that need a little bit of help and they pay handsomely for the right coaches to help them stay on path and on a program. So, you know, clearly you do 
a lot, whether it be group sessions like what you're doing with Facebook and also high-end one-on-one things, whether it be with, you know, uh, pro uh, sports athletes, um, you know, dignitaries, et cetera. Um, are, there, are there resources that if somebody is in that more like, I want to do it before I call in an expert camp that you would recommend? Um, and clearly those that say, man, I need some help and some, you know, outside the jar perspective, you, you're a great resource. Um, do you have any resources that you would recommend if somebody wants to dive deeper on their own before they engage somebody like you? Okay. So, um, yeah, but here's, here's the thing. And, and this is, this was from my own experience, not just from my own experience from really hundreds more that I've, you know, really had the privilege of walking in that sacred space with is that not many people, okay, really, um, can get that self-aware, even though they read something, they don't retain it. It does, it's not absorbed, right? You know, I think Gary, you're, you know, knowing you and, you know, knowing you so long, but knowing who you are and how you are, you know, you, you latch onto concepts, but you're also a very disciplined person. I mean, like it's your body, man. I mean, you know, get out there every morning and, you know, with, with the F3, right? I mean, come on, you know, let's say, wouldn't it be great if everybody can do that? Do you know, I mean, you, you're, you're in a little select group of people that really can do that. And you understand the discipline and what it takes, but not everybody does and not everybody can do that. And so I always look at it like, yeah, I can give you a few resources, things to read and, and listen to and stuff like that. But how much time is that going to take you to not only read it, to carve out the time to, to read it, try to practice it and to create that discipline. Or do you just want to pay and get it done real quick? I mean, you know, most people are just like, I don't have the time because they haven't been intentional on how they've set their time up, which is another, you know, it's just hamster wheeling it. So yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to give you some books to study and some things like that. But you know, the reality is, is, it kind of goes back to that, that concept of, you know, when I would do the leadership development for, for two days on, you know, offsite, it's, it's time already that's already promised somewhere else. And so you can't really get in it. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. This is what my observations have been. So, I mean, what's it costing you not to hire somebody that's an expert that can quickly help you flip the script and then help you with, you know, a strategy and a framework to set you on your merry way. Well, and, you know? and your, your point, you know, um, when I was brought in to do my first turnaround at age 28 and I had no credentials to do it, but my partner who um, had, he had enlisted this guy that we, he became basically a coach and a consultant to us. He was 10 grand a day plus expenses and you paid him up front. This is in 1990 folks. So this is, you know, 23,000 yeah. bucks in today's dollars um, well that was a big gulp and he was the one that made that investment because the pain was so high and then we made the investment many times over after that because uh, we saw it, it oftentimes it wasn't just pain it started in pain but then it was like opportunity again to loss, cost yeah right to accelerate and yes it cost us something um, but even uh, so I, I totally get it. And I think it, just the outside perspective, um, not that they are the Wizard of Oz or anything like that, because that was never the case, but they had some proficiency and they had the courage to be able to pinpoint and say, hey, and you're paying enough that you were like, well, I guess we better pay attention to this guy <laughs> or gal. Um, exactly. So um, for, for those that say, man, I want to, I want to start going down some of this journey. Are there, you had alluded to some questions earlier on that, that seem to be trigger questions that start the ball rolling. Are, can they find that on your website or are there some of your favorite ones that if somebody dares to ask themselves the question honestly, 
that these are the things that they should ask? Okay, so no, yes, yes, no. Um, my website was hacked, and so I, I almost am embarrassed to have anybody even go to it right now because we're under the reconstruction of getting another one. So if you go to it, it looks really screwy, and half the pages aren't there. So so sorry. Um, but as far as the questions, are they asked? I mean, are they somewhere? No, because um, I mean, you can get books, of course, that will ask you questions and have you ask your questions. Yeah, I mean, I send a lot of questions out to my closed, you know, groups that I have and things of that nature. I have a, um, you know, if if one-on-one -on -one is not, you know, something that someone wants to do, if they want to do a group or if they want to do like a mastermind, um, then, you know, they could do that. And so it's, you know, it's a, it's a container, right? It's a container that that as you're walking and growing and, and I'm equipping and expanding, you know, it becomes embedded for sustainability. See, that's the thing that I, I hesitate so much. And it's not that I'm trying to say, oh, it's only my secret sauce. Because <laughs> I'm yeah. not the only one in the world doing it, right? But at the same time, it's like giving a three-year-old a razor blade. I mean, you know, it's sometimes, you know, some of these things will trigger and something else. And it, it can cause people to spiral is the only thing. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people that have gone and, you know, they've been in therapy for 15 years, right? And they hear, they'll hear about me or whatever. And so, you know, we'll have conversation, we'll do some psych key balancing and in two sessions, they're done. They don't ever have to go back. I'm thinking, how much time do you want to waste? Right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm 53 years old. There's a whole lot of living I want to do. I don't want to be stuck. <laughs> I mean, I still, I mean, I jump out of planes, man. I was, two weeks ago, I was surfing, right? I mean, I like to live and I want to live more and I don't want things to hold me back. I just don't want to play in that anymore. So, yeah. So. That makes a lot of sense. So if I kept asking you follow-up questions, I'd keep you here for about five hours. So, so I think that's probably a good stopping point for today. But uh, okay. you will eventually link to your, your website once you get that back the way <laughs> you want it to be. But in the meantime, uh, where, where can people go to learn more about you or hear you speak or, uh, or just connect with you? Okay. Um, I have, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn under Hillary Cutshaw Florida. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, HP underscore the underscore life underscore architect lot of underscores don't worry i'll, I'll put the link in <laughs> okay um and there's uh, you know my facebook uh you can do my personal page i've got two different businesses um one is r3 international inc and so i have an r3 movement going on and then um that we do retreats and live events and workshops all over uh the world and then of course h porta coaching and consulting uh, again, my website, it's really embarrassing right now. So um, you can go to it, but just, just know that it's not my fault. It's just not how I'm trying to show up. Um, so, but yes, absolutely. You know, you can message me anywhere and, you know, you can send me an email. It's Hillary, H-I-L-A-R-Y at hporta.com. Follow me, find me, call me. <laughs> you know, I just don't like people having to... I, I guess live limited and play small when we're really not designed for that. You know, we were designed to stand out and be great and, and live this abundant life. And, you know, I was, I was doing a speaking engagement and, and, you know, after the Q and a kind of thing. And someone asked me, they were like, Hey, how can you define luxury? Right. And I think they were thinking it was going to be like really materialistic, like, Oh, beach house or helicopter or you know and I just said it's to be unhurried you know I love to be able to be with people and really be present with people and you know just to live a life that I've architected you know on purpose the way I like to to, to live mine you know so I get to live now and deepen relationships every day and and like I'm the weird one. I can't wait to get up so I can serve my people. Right. I love it. I do. I love it. Um, but it's also, you know, you don't want to just push and push and hustle your face off. Right. And then wake up and, and hustle your face off until you retire. And then, then what, you know, so 
Yeah. Thank you so much for just, you know, let me ramble on. <laughs> now, this is really good. And for anybody that makes it to the end of this thing, Ben had a really good question that I would love to see if you would be able to answer. Um, and the question is, what's the one, what one thing a listener could do today or this weekend to become a better, to become better in tune with their true self? I told you, man, he's the king of the questions. You it's are. a good one to end are, on, that's for sure. He's you're really, really good. good. He's really good at questions. I mean, like, man, you're good. Um, the one thing you can do, and since it's going to be a weekend, get quiet, get by yourself. Okay. Get, get by yourself and preferably go out in nature, right? Get grounded in nature. Um, be present in it and ask yourself who you really are, what you want to stand for. What, what, what words can describe you, define you? How do you want to show up in your relationships? How do you want to, what do you want to be known for? How can you serve people? What, you know, ask yourself all these questions and ask yourself what real success looks to you. Not just, not just the materialistic success, but what is, if you could wave a magic wand, man, what would it look like? What would, what would be the perfect day for you? And, and when I ask you that, I want you to literally close your eyes and just take yourself away. Literally begin to visualize what that looks like and then emotionalize it. Because the more that you can do that, the more you can manifest that, right? And so that's the thing I guess I want to leave you on. Learn yourself, man. Just learn yourself. I mean, Socrates, Aristotle, all the greats said it. Learn thyself. So take some time out for you. What are the things that you really like to do? Chances are you probably don't know your top three. Because there's so many times, you know, people say, hey, you want to go do something? And you're like, sure. And they're like, what do you want to do? And then you're like, oh, I'll do whatever. What do you want to do? <laughs> you know, why don't we just go vulnerable and say, hey, you know, this is something I really want to wanted to try. I would love to experience that. Go figure. But unless you know that, unless you know and taking the time out to do that and practice, you know, learning yourself and discovering yourself, how are you gonna know? How do you know what you really want? That's super. That is a great crescendo for this thing. Don't you think, Ben? I do. <laughs> Perfect way for us to end. <laughs>